Hello, my powerhouses. So I am so excited for the interview that I have with you all today with Heidi Scott Guisto, because time and time again, I keep hearing everyone say how much they want to write a book. It is on your list of things to do. Some of you are working on it. Some of you are talking about it, not working on it. And Heidi is a writer, editor, communications consultant, and she owns Career Path Writing Solutions, which is a consulting firm dedicated to helping people communicate when it matters most. So she collaborates with clients from diverse professional backgrounds and has specialty working on businesses, leadership, and self-help books. She's earned her PhD in history from Duke University and her master's and undergraduate degrees from Youngstown State University. Heidi recently published her first co-authored book, The Third Paradigm, A Radical Shift to Greater Success by the Entrepreneur Press. And she lives in Apex, North Carolina with her husband and children. So tune in and enjoy this episode on where to get started and how to write the book that you have had on your list for however long. Hello, Heidi. So thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to have this chat with you. And I know that so many of our followers listening are excited to hear what you have to say because it is a hot topic book writing these days. So um, so thank you for for hopping on and, and giving us your time. Yeah, well, well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And thank you for doing this type of podcast because it's so needed, uh, so needed to, to help women advance with their careers and businesses. So it is my pleasure to be here with you and to geek out on all things book writing. Love it. Uh, and, and before we dive into that too, I would just love for you to share a little bit of your journey. I mean, cheers to 10 years and hitting that mark and, and you. owning your, your own company. But, you know, you didn't start out saying to yourself, I want to own a business and help women like thrive or help book writers and career coaching and all, all the things that you're doing now is like 180 degrees different. <laughs> from where you started. So, you know, what was that inflection point for you in in where you knew you had to do something different? And I'm I'm sure it wasn't also like a smooth ride, right? Uh, Yeah, it was a very thoughtful journey. Um, So I, so for context, I have a collection of history degrees. So I was trained to be a history professor and uh, to, to get a history PhD, the average time for that is about, I think it's like seven to nine years. And I was four years into my uh, earning my PhD and I started working at Duke's, that's where I went to grad school, Duke University, (laughs) um, Duke's writing studio. And I loved it. And what other people kind of viewed as like, not in a derogatory way, but like my rinky dink job, like, cause I'm a grad student and I need money. I kept saying semester after semester, yes, I want to do this again. I don't want to do, be a teaching assistant or a research assistant. I want to work with writers. And I finally, like it took time, but I realized actions speak louder than words. And I really love this. It doesn't feel like work when I'm working with writers. 
Um, and I've always actually had that entre- entrepreneurial bug as a little kid. I had a little store at home. <laughs> um, I try, you know, it just in God bless my parents. They supported. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like want to buy my chapstick. It's like, oh, okay, okay, you know. Um, but uh, so while I'm going through grad school, I kept thinking, like, well, what could my business be on the side? And then I just, you know, over the course of about 18 months, I recognized I didn't want to be a professor. And I refined my idea to found a communications consulting company to help people communicate when it really matters. And over the past 10 years, the service offerings have evolved and grown. But day in and day out, what I'm I'm doing is still the same. Of um, I just really like being like I tell my clients I'm in your corner and I really like that that spot to be in it's a privilege to be there to help someone when they're trying to communicate something that really matters whether it's about really their career like a resume or a cv or a book that typically has something to do with a person's career (laughs) but that's my story (laughs) and I love it and it's so important and I think Uh, So many people can relate to this too. It's like, we all feel like we have things to share. Uh, Of course, it's why I started the podcast and and a lot that we want to convey or help others, but we struggle with the bridge in terms of how to communicate that effectively without it feeling like, oh my God, this sounds amazing, but I'm never going to do it or I'm never going to have time for it. And so- I know peeling it back sometimes and, and making it simpler, having someone like you to to help make it more streamlined and less overwhelming is is huge, you know. So mm-hmm. so that's super cool, and and I'm sure it's fun to get to hear everybody's different stories as well. It's like you get the tea on on everyone, right? You do, you uh, do. <laughs> that's why sometimes I love like being a financial advisor. It's like the shit that I hear you would never imagine. It's so much fun. Um, but it's also crazy because, you, you know, just when you're like, oh, you thought I heard it all. <laughs> yeah. You're probably like, me or you, you probably hear people say, yeah, I know you're not my therapist, but. Um, daily. Yes. You know, and then I'm like, well, you know, uh, and, and I try to guide, but it's it's so funny because in and there's probably a lot of parallels here. It's like when people talk about their money, it invokes all of these subconscious emotions that were like brewing forever. And then a lot of times like people don't even know it's coming. And when they start speaking, it's like tears start happening. All these emotions that they didn't know exist were there and and just verbalizing some of this stuff. Sometimes it really does. It, it turns into like this incredible journey where I always call it the pivot point, right? When you have everything in your head or buried for so long, but as soon as you verbalize it, it becomes real. And now we can grab it and make something of it, right? Whether, you know, and, and of course for you, it's something totally different than, than what we're doing. But at the end of the day, it's getting more of what you want to do, what, whatever that is. And so um, that's definitely, I think it's kind of cool. I don't know how we just went down that tangent, but Whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so so let's like 
seriously use this time uh, really well. And I want to leverage like your brain as much as I can, Heidi, when when it comes to writing a book, because I, I was so excited to get this time with you because at least I don't know, twice a week, I have someone tell me, I really want to write a book or I have this great idea or I did write a book, but but I don't know what to do with the manuscript, you know? Yeah, like, do I self-publish? Do I go to a publishing house? And, um, you know, and, and for everyone who is listening, by the way, writing a book is such a great way to have authority in your in- industry or to get speaking gigs or to use it as a marketing tool or just a way to make a bigger impact and, and help more people. And so it really is one of those things and it's typically important, but not urgent. You really have to calendar time for it. And so, you know, with that said, Heidi, I would love for you to just like, you know, Give us the skinny here in, in terms of if if you're looking to write a book, like number one, where the hell do we even start? And then what are some things to think about? Because um, when I wrote our book, I definitely have a litany of things that I would do differently, but I don't even know what where to start with that too. So so I'd love to hear from you some some basic steps. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, and you've already gestured to this. Um, I would ask somebody, if you're listening, you know, what is the business case for your book? In business, whether you own your own business or if, you know, you're um, like a W-2 employee, like your business is, is the car- your career, what is the reason for it? Because a good reason to write a book is not because so-and-so told me I should write a book. Right. <laughs> Because, and that is very flattering, but the motivation really has to be internal. Um, you can, if, if enough people are telling you, sure, if that helps the internal motivation, but you should never approach it just because someone else tells you you should, because it's already, and you already know this because you've written one, it is a process. It takes time, even under the best of circumstances. So getting clear right at the outset of your why. Why am I writing it? And you mentioned some of those reasons. You know, is it I want to expand my impact? Is it I want to use this to get more speaking engagements? If your top thinking is, I'm going to be like Stephen King and get these in every bookstore everywhere and get that big fat royalty check of like, I think in his book on writing, well, he said his first royalty check was Something was like $400,000. Like there may be a little bit of an adjustment of expectations because most of us are not going to be Stephen King. Um, So just getting really clear on why. And it could be that you have a, um, a boutique type of service and this is creating something for a lower price point for, for people to access your knowledge. So step one is just making sure yeah, what is my reason, my business case for it? Now, assuming you have that, then you want to think about who's my audience. You know, it's not, and, and everyone is not a, a good enough response because if everybody's your audience, then nobody is going to be your audience. So really thinking of who is it that I want to have my book in their hands or on my on their Kindle, um, so those are the first 
two things, and I have other thoughts, but I'll pause there. But the business case and audience. (laughs) Yeah. And I I love how you said adjustment of expectations. That was like a kind phrase or putting the, uh, you know, but. No, I think that's important in, in really knowing the why is, is super critical because it, it is not easy and it, it is a lot of work and you really do have to be intentional about calendaring the time for it. I think for me in my head, I was like, Oh yeah, that's easy. I can write about this stuff in my sleep. But then when I had to put pen to paper, it was a slog, uh, you know, and I used a lot of tools too. I did a lot of walking and talking in the otter and then having that dictate, you know, uh, some chapters and editing, but, but I had to be intentional, but because I had so much conviction in the why and how we wanted to really reach more women and get them thinking about money differently, like that excited me enough to get through the hard stuff. And so, so knowing your intention with the book is really critical and 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 I love how you said, you know, someone said you should do it. I think that so many of us and, and probably too many, if I were so bold to say, do things because we were shoulded on. <laughs> and uh, and like, wait a minute, this has to be your idea. Otherwise, it's just going to feel like a burden. Uh, and, and it is too much time for it to be something that you don't have like this unvi- like wavering conviction in, um, you know, and, and they don't. I would love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, the difference between using a publishing house or self-publishing because, um, two, depending on why you're writing the book and the results that you want to get with it, whether you're looking to be a New York Times bestseller or, or you're really using it as a business tool or something to maybe monetize as a lower price point, like, can you maybe talk to the difference of that and, and maybe some pros, cons or, or things to think about? Yeah. And so that's a great topic. It could be a confusing topic. I'll keep yeah. and that could be its own podcast. So I'll keep it pretty <laughs> high, high level. As you know, if you think of friction to getting your book published, there's way less friction, way less obstacles for self-publishing. Traditional publishing with a, a you know, the publishing house, that still tends to be that um like a bar people want to be, to be able to say, I've been traditionally published. Or some people ask, who's it published through? You say, oh, I self-published. I have a a, um, a colleague who she's very proud of her books and her books are wonderful. And she told me that uh, she's like, yeah, sometimes I've had people say, who who are they published through? And when she said, oh, well, I self-published, there's a little bit of this like, oh, Mm-hmm. So, but if you're really motivated to build your visibility and credibility and get the word out on your area of expertise, self-publishing tends to be a, uh, it can be a more straightforward path because mm-hmm. with a traditional publisher, there's the whole thing of writing book proposals and just going through this whole process and in recent years, there's been some, some, I guess with the advent of Amazon publishing and all the self-publishing, yeah. there's a lot of, it's a dynamic kind of area to be in for, for traditional publishing. And my understanding is there often is a lot of turnover. So even if you have a relationship with an editor and you think, well, I can go back to this editor and say, 
you know, here's this other idea I have. That editor might not be in that role anymore. And networking is important. And so there can be some, uh, there, there tends to be a lot more obstacles to getting a book traditionally published than many first authors realize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and would you say that there's any huge, uh, pros or cons of going one way or the other, you know, it, it, and nowadays too, with how much things have changed compared to where they used to be before everything was so fluid and connected with yeah. social media and the internet and, and ways to market now. Yeah. Well, I mean, all things being equal, I would still say, sure, traditional publishing, but know that even with traditional publishing, you still have to do marketing. They're going to do some yeah. for you, but you still have to do marketing. You might still have your own PR team. Uh, so, uh, so if I had to pick one, I would say going that route. But I think the most important thing is if you have this burning desire to get your idea out into the world, to yeah. do it, mm-hmm. whatever that may look like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, and then, it, you know, so now we, we decided, we had a conversation and, and we decided, you know what, we, we want to go traditional publishing or self-publish, you make a decision, you know, why you're writing the book, what you want to do with it. Like now what, what, how, well, how do we get started? And, you know, what, yes. what would you say is, as far as just pen to paper or like the process and, um, going down that journey without it taking 10 years. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, so one thing I think about what's the format. So I have a client right now who's doing a workbook that's in, and going back to that idea of traditional or self-publishing, that is a pretty, I think most people would quickly decide I'm going to self-publish if I'm doing a workbook. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's kind of visualizing what do I want this to look like? Is this my war in peace? You know, or is it, is it huge? Is this short and snappy, almost like a manifesto? No, I don't want a long book. You know, just actually thinking about what do I want this to look like? And I work backward from, well, what word count do you want? Some people are surprised here. Like you're thinking about word count before you even have anything written. Yes, because uh, just as a reference point, on a standard sheet of paper, paper. say you're using uh, Microsoft Word, double space, 250 words per paper, per sheet. So then it's, well, how long do I want my chapters? And as our attention spans get shorter and shorter, in part because of how we consume information, now, well, okay, do I want, on average, 10-page chapters? Okay, so what does that look like? That's 2,500 words per chapter. That feels really manageable, right? So we're trying to get comfortable with just even just approaching this and then thinking of what's my outline. And I'm, I do love like old school pen paper. Like what are the topics I need to write down? What are the topics that I want to cover and deciding? And I was talking about like visualizing it. Is this, uh, like the, the type of book? Is this a memoir that might, you know, in a business books typically are not, but you never know. You know, is this chronological? Is it thematic? Is it, you know, the seven most, you know, seven effect, you know, seven habits of highly effective people? We can get an idea of what the structure of that book is going to be if there's a number 
in the title. So just thinking that through and then mapping it out. Like, okay, well, then let's just say we have a thematic thing. Like, well, I know the topic is X. There's three key parts of X, A, B, and C. Okay, so we have section A, section B, section C. Well, what is going to, what do you need to discuss in section A? Well, these three things or these five things. Okay, so each of those five things might be one chapter in section A. And then going through, and then you may have already, in 30 minutes time, you may mapped out a rough outline of, okay, my book is going to be three sections, five chapters in each section, and I'm going to do the math on what that word count looks like. Okay, yeah, I don't want this to be an 80,000 page or 80,000 word book. I'm on, I'm on target. And now you just, in, in knowing this may change, this is just getting started. But now you have something written down that feels very doable because certainly you can start at some point on one of those topics. You can sit down and think, well, can I write 2,500 words on this? Where do I get started? Um, and I'll talk a bit, I can talk a bit about that too. But that's kind of just, I, I'm kind of go with old school map, like create a, a really rough outline because that can help your decision making of when you put time in the calendar of mm-hmm. what am I actually working on? So you're not just having the time and then paralyzed with, well, I know all the things I have to talk about, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. And that actually was helpful for us too, because, it, you know, I, I had this like woke up, aha, you know, we're writing a book. And, and Sarah, my my partner was like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> just, uh, and, but then I was like, oh shit, now what? You know, and, and so first we, we came up with the, I, I came up with the outline. Like I, we didn't even have a title, but I, I just mm-hmm. did each chapter, like what, what I wanted to talk about. And then came the title. And, and then once yeah. we had those chapters, it was like, oh, you know, it became so much easier to actually write it out after the brain dump of, of those chapters and in the uh, sequential order of that too. You know, I think we get hung up on the content so much versus the framework. And, and that yes. really caused like gridlock in your mind. And so um, I love that you said that because it was the same approach that that we took and it was so helpful in getting me unstuck. And then from there, you know, my brain just kind of like flowed on to paper. Uh, and I do find like physically writing stuff out is so much more helpful or for us, like we like to write it on like the big white, like mm-hmm. post-it notes on the wall yes. and just write stuff all over the place. Like when we were brainstorming like names and, and really looking at it differently to me is, is so much more helpful, you know, to, to kind of brainstorm that out versus using any kind of technology or typing it in your phone. And it's just so different. And I, and I'm sure there's science behind it. I don't know why, but it just works better, you know? Yeah. And I did that. Um, there's another project I'm working on right now. And we did an on-site meeting, multi-day meeting. And we had that. We had the giant, like the giant post-it notes on the wall. And it's like, okay, well, we have in this book, we'll have three sections. Section one's about this. Section two's this. Section three's this. So what are the topics we want to cover in section one? And it is that, that there's something about having that physical paper for me as well. And and then that is also, um, 
I talk about prompts, like being your anchor. You, they hold you in place. So whenever you're writing, it's you look back at the prompt. And in this case, your outline, whether for the whole book or you were indicated you kind of dumped ideas for each chapter, which would be the next level of outlining that I'd recommend. And it's like, well, okay, I'm in flow or whatever you want to say. But then it's checked. Check the prompt. Like, am I saying on target with what I said this, I want this chapter to be about? So it becomes more efficient to correct course as opposed to like, I'm in the zone. I'm just typing like a crazy woman, but I'm getting all the words down. And then you find, oh, this actually has nothing to do with what I thought I wanted to write about. And if that happens, you can just reevaluate. Maybe that is something you want to put in there. Um, but it having the solid outline can really help you stay efficient with this. Love it. Uh, and so, and, and then there are different levels too of how much of this you want to do yourself. So whether you want to write it yourself and hire an editor or get a ghostwriter, can you talk a little bit about that too, in terms of overarching options to get this shit done? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And just so everybody knows, there tends to be a lot of um, fluidity with terms. So sometimes people yeah. will say, I need a proofreader. And I don't think I've ever worked with somebody who only needed a proofreader. You know, so, so people will come in thinking they need a proofreader, yet you review the manuscript and they need a developmental editor. So some of the the terms, um, if people say editor is so general, I, that just prompts an, an additional question of tell me more. Do you have a full manuscript? Are you happy with the content that is being shared? Because I have this, my own, I have like a, a methodology that I'm always <laughs> checking for as well. Um, so say they are, um, well, I'll, I'll so they explain more and you find out they have a partial manuscript, but they know what each chapter, they know what it want, they want it to be, but it's pretty rough still. That is going to either probably be needing the assistance of developmental editing or depending how rough, like ghostwriting. So ghostwriting is the true partnership. Uh, all of this is partnership, but where do you have somebody else doing a lot, if not all, um, of the writing for you. A lot of times it is just the, the client may have a lot of ideas down, but they don't have the, the time or they don't feel like it's their best, like their skill in writing. So you have the ghostwriter come in to really bring the ideas to a full manuscript. Copy editing is a different level of I'm happy with everything that is in here. And I just need somebody to clean it up, tighten it up. So that's more of line editing, copy editing. You're not going to be saying, have you thought about splitting this chapter into two? Because this is a very long chapter. It's more than double the length of all the others. And it seems like it covers two topics. Mm -hmm. So and in between then copy editing and ghostwriting is developmental editing. Got it. Where it's in between, you, the developmental editor will work heavily with the strategy and structure 
but the the author's doing more of the writing from scratch than ghostwriting. And, cop, and, and yeah, so it's kind of, if you think of like, how much is the editor influencing the structure mm-hmm. and maybe the arc of the book? Mm-hmm. The more it is that then you progress from like line editing, copy editing, developmental editing to ghostwriting. Okay. Thank you for that because yeah, I clearly <laughs> had no idea what the terms were. Um, but I, I think that's a big part of it is that just knowing what to ask for too. So you're searching in the right ponds. You know, I know, of course, Heidi, this is something that you can help with in your company and, and where, so, so there's your company, but then also let's say I know nothing. I, I've written a draft for a book, like where do I even go to find someone who's the right fit for the niche that I wrote my book in? You know, is there um, any kind of advice or resources that you could speak to for someone who is just literally trying to get the ball rolling now and interviewing the right fit to be on their writing team, essentially? Because I think, you know, I can probably speak for a lot of us. It's like, well, all those terms that you just mentioned from ghostwriting to developmental editing to copy, like we might not even know, like we may go in thinking like, oh, I just need a copywriter. In truth, it's a hot mess express and we need a lot more than that, you know? So, um, and then there's probably other women who are much better writers than me and you both than that. And so uh, where where would we get started, you know, versus just going to like the Google machine, right? <laughs> and yeah. in, uh, help, what, what would you suggest? So, I mean, my my top recommendation is using a network to to app, to find a referral from somebody who's actually worked with the person because then you 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 can have somebody, you know, there's a little bit of that social proof. Um, there's a freelance um, editors association as well, so there are some okay. professional associations. Um, I think something also to think about is getting whenever you do have the conversations is, is making sure you're getting really clear on am I sending my manuscript and having somebody just um, fix it and they work on it and they send it back and there's no direct interaction between the editor and the client or do you want somebody who's meeting with you and it there's the personal relationship because there, there are all different, there's different business models for this. It's, there are for many different services. So also kind of knowing, kind of going into it, well, what do I want? And some people really do just want like, no, I just want to get this done. I want somebody to do a line edit. I don't care who it is. Yeah. That's a different uh, relationship and, and service you're looking for. Than someone who's like, yeah, this is a hot mess. I need, I feel like I need a partner in this. And there are also writing coaches. And that is, but it's like, well, I want to do this myself, but I just need a coach. But all those, um, you know, is looking for me, I always recommend asking for referrals and getting strong referrals and doing, having calls that way with people. Okay. And so, um, when you say asking for referrals, like, what if I don't have any friends who wrote a book? Where am I? Am I asking um, the freelance association or? Yeah, that's one. I mean, um, you're not going to be surprised to hear me say this as someone who works with careers, but that's where I think a strong LinkedIn network is important because maybe you don't know somebody immediately that comes to mind who's written a, a book. 
But I bet if you get on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and you start looking for book editor or ghostwriter, someone's going to pop up that you're a second degree connection to. Yeah. And then you can ask, you know, like, so I guess maybe I'm, my recommendation assumes a certain level of savviness with mm-hmm. networking, maybe. Yeah. Oh, so hmm, leverage your network. Weird. Talk about that all the time. So <laughs> this is no different. <laughs> we don't do that enough, but leverage your network because if you don't know anyone directly that comes to mind who wrote a book and you're like drawing blanks here, uh, guys, like do a post on LinkedIn, even if you're like not even wanting to search people, do a literal post. And I promise you, you will get a ton of people who are willing to connect you or introduce you or have a reference. And then you can also go to one of, you know, one of the associations as well to, to really interview people. And, and I'm sure you can second this as like, if you're the type of person who doesn't want it to be a transactional relationship where you're just giving it to them, you're not really needing to have any kind of dialogue and they're giving it back to you with edits, but you want someone who's really going to be your partner and do this with you. You want to make sure it's a good rapport, somebody that you enjoy talking to and someone who also understands you as a dynamic person and what you're trying to convey. Because then, you know, in that deeper relationship, you're making an investment in a better product overall, right? That that you're putting out there because their advice is going to be worlds different than, uh, you know, someone who you haven't had that connection with. So, of course, you get what you pay for, like everything else in life, uh, you know, and, and this is probably like a Pandora's box here that I'm asking. But, um, you know, is there a range? And, and I know it's a big range, like a ballpark in terms of expectations, of what to spend when looking to write and publish a book because I it's a big range, you know, and, and I, I think that often when I even say what we spent and we self-published, people are shocked. Like they don't realize the investment to actually get this sucker up and off the ground, which it should definitely be taken into consideration for what you want to use the book for, oh. the results that you're looking to get. So um, can you provide any light on that itself? Yeah, and I'm I'm happy to, and you're right. It is Pandora's box. Um, <laughs> so, so just acknowledging um, that. I also want to go back to the, the the part of kind of networking and having conversations. Say someone reaches out to me, and they schedule an initial consultation, and I ask them to you know tell me about your your project. I might invite them to send me a sample chapter. And they send me something that for whatever reason, I just determine isn't a great fit for me. Mm -hmm. I am happy to offer a referral. So also, I mean, you could talk with somebody and if they, if somebody say, yeah, I don't think this is, this wouldn't be a great fit for me, then it's perfectly fine to say, do you have any recommendations for who I should reach out to? Because book editors and ghostwriters tend to know other book editors and ghostwriters. And if you um, if you value that relationship building and all that, you're you're going to be happy to make that recommendation. Yeah. So so there's that as well. And as for the the fee, um, I have. You're right. It, it, even for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I'll tell people like I I charge what works for me. There are some businesses out there that. I think it's um, 
some of those models where mm-hmm. it's you submit it and you get it right back for $900. That is one approach. Then there are there's the approach of ghostwriting something substantial that might be $50,000. Mm-hmm. Or 30, you know, 30 to 50 yeah. and, the, and and you know the people who are doing the ghostwriting for the celebrities, I mean that's mm-hmm. not me. But I can <laughs> tell you they're charging more than thirty to fifty thousand dollars. And um, so there's a there is a big range. I always do custom quotes because of that, because but it is, I think for most projects, and at risk of mm-hmm. having pushback on this, there's I think for most projects, there's even fairly light involvement, I think it's going to be less than $5,000 for a light dish edit. Yeah. So if people are thinking, uh, you know, I have a budget of one to $2,000 for a developmental editor. Um, I'm not saying it can't happen, but there's, there's going to be some reassessment of expectations probably. Here's that line again. Yes. (laughs) And and what you said, marketing, because Mm -hmm. there are places that do self-publishing, but kind of hybrid self-publishing, and they provide some marketing. Um, I know of people who've invested anywhere between $25,000 and $100,000 just for that. And that is separate from the actual writing of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what's your business case? Yes, yeah, for writing a book. Yeah, uh, exactly. And what is your time worth? So you know, even like, and, and now we wrote our book. Now going back, I mean, gosh, was it six, five, six years ago? I have no concept of time. And we spent just for the coach and like the editor process. Um, I think it was like around fifteen grand. That wasn't publishing or anything else. Um, but. We would have never got it done if we didn't have that. And so what's the cost of getting it done? And then if you're hiring someone to help you with a lot of this stuff, like think about your value in time and your time versus their time. And even if, you know, $20,000, $30,000 sounds like a lot without marketing, consider if if you're using the book as getting authority or standing out in your industry and you get a few speaking gigs that convert into clients and your average client lifetime value is, you know, $25,000 a piece or what, depending on your business, like, you know, then you can money math this out, right? Money bitch it to death and say, well, actually, you know, it's an investment, but it's just that it's an investment because I know that this will be a tool to actually make me a lot more money. So that's the other thing that you want to think about. And you might be at a part in your career too, where you're like, look, this is something for me that I'm looking as just to give back. I want to donate a lot of this. And it just feels good for me to put it out there. And I'm at a time in my life where I can do this and I don't need to worry about the return, you know? So there's a huge, huge difference there and there's not a right or wrong, but but to the points that we've discussed, being very thoughtful about the why, the who, what you're doing, how much time you want to spend and so on and just setting really good expectations. It is so important because what we don't want 
is to set you up to fail, right? Or to have you get, you know, running out of the gates and be super excited and then all of a sudden be like, you know, screeching halt in because there was a surprise or something that you didn't realize or have realistic expectations set. So it's always good to have have all this information out front and then to have good conversations so that you can calendar it and be thoughtful about the execution so that you yes. can absolutely get this done and, and really leverage it is an amazing way to show the world your level of expertise and, and help more people ultimately, because that's what we're doing when when we write a book. So, and before we talk about your newest book, Heidi, um, you know, is there anything that we didn't talk about, didn't mention, anything that we're missing that people should know about when it comes to writing their book? Ah, uh, great question. So, um, blocking time, you've already suggested that multiple times, and I agree um, completely because if it's not scheduled, it's not going to get done. No one ever finishes a long work week and says, I'm going to relax and just draft 2,500 words of my book this Friday. <laughs> it just Never. doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Um, and there it was an article that when I w worked at Duke's writing studio, that one of the professors would assign to the first year students who everyone had to take a writing class. And it talked about shitty first drafts. Okay. So your first, and there's there's different uh, framing around this, but think the mm -hmm. first draft, shitty first draft. You're not aiming for perfection. This is um, what Anne Lamott has called like the down draft. You just get the ideas down. You're not worrying about perfection. You're not worrying about getting it all right. It's just get it down. It's not going to be great, but. What I tell people is it's a whole lot easier to improve a shitty first draft than it is to perfect a white sheet of paper, right? What's there to change oh, on so, a white so, so good. sheet of yeah. paper? So just start. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, I don't know what the introduction is going to be. Start with whatever is easiest. Go for the low-hanging fruit. There will be something, even if it's your author bio, that you can start with. Yes. That helps give you m momentum. So whatever you check off the box of like, well, this little topic was easiest. Once you have that done, there will be something else now that feels like what's easiest now. Mm -hmm. And that can help you get momentum. So don't put pressure on yourself to write linearly or like anything like that. Just get it down and recognize writing is a process. And accept it for what it is. And then you'll have less, I think, like self-criticism and roadblocks and what people call writer's block um, if you do that. That's awesome advice. Thank you. And and I love that you actually brought that up because I think, again, and knowing a lot of things, like, you know, we get hung up on like it being perfect and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. It's like, wait a minute, like just bring it on, do the damn thing. Like even if you're starting in the middle, and it will super help. Like, and, and I call it sloppy copy. I like your, your shitty first draft a little bit better, but like, that's great because as it, it, it is the, the best, I think the best point you made this whole podcast is like, it's so much easier to improve something that's shitty than nothing at all because you're trying to make it perfect. So, uh, start messy. Yeah. Uh, and so the next, 
is, uh, you know, you now, and, and so for everybody listening, how I got introduced to Heidi was our last guest, Dr. Ivan Meisner, who is the founder of BNI. So he was kind of a rogue dude guest that we had <laughs> on the podcast. And so it was, it was awesome talking to him though. It was, it was really great to have him. And at the end of, of the podcast, when we signed off, he's like, oh my God, I have somebody that you have to meet. Do you mind if I introduce you to Heidi? She's the, the woman who co-wrote our book, uh, the next book that came out, The Third Paradigm, which is out right now. So I would love for you to just talk a minute about that and even what it was like co-writing a book, because I don't like to be like the main event. I'm not good at sharing it. So, you know, and, and I actually had that experience in, in writing our book, Money Bitch, and it was like kind of hard because I'm such a control freak. So how was that process? And, and then tell us about the book. Yeah, thank you for us. So that's a good, that is a really good question. What's it like to co-author? Um, I think that, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how great that process would be if someone's like, I have to be in control all the yeah. time. I am guessing that that is, is going to be a, um, it might be a more challenging experience, frankly, <laughs> if, if one person is like, well, it is my way or the highway or, you know, like, <laughs> it is. Yeah. so I think just kind of assessing, am I, am I okay with mm -hmm. knowing that someone's going to write some parts and I'm going to write others? And we have clear communication and make sure that like, you never want any major disagreement of like, I'm recommending A and you're like, A is completely wrong. No, it's B. So that, of course, that all needs to be worked out. Um, if any of those things pop up, you want to talk about them, you know. Brene Brown, clear as kind, you know, mm -hmm. be very clear <laughs> and talk right. that out. Um, but I know that with this, we had, um, you know, a lot of times with co-authoring, you, everybody's involved at, if there's, you know, two or three authors at the strategy level of like, what does this look like? What, you know, with our big sheets of white paper that we're writing on by hand, coming to an agreement around structure, word count self-published, traditional published, traditional book, workbook, like all of that. And then it's kind of divide and conquer and yeah. regularly. So what are you working on? What am I working on? Am I reviewing your work? Are you reviewing my work? And you just meet regularly and knock it out. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's kind of the, less overwhelming in some ways, right? To know like, hey, I've got a partner in this. I'm only doing 50% of the work. So, um, but definitely if you do co-author, upfront contract, get it all out, clear as kind, and don't figure it out after you did the work and wrote the book because that sucks. So um, definitely being super clear upfront and, and having a contract and is so important. Just like anything else in business, you guys, I think it's easy to sometimes ignore that stuff. But, um, you know, it's so important if you really want a successful working relationship. Yeah. Um, and what's the book about? So I have a copy here. The Third Paradigm, A Radical Shift to Greater Success. Um, it is about using co-creation. So this is a book about co-creation and how we can use that to drive increased profitability, employee buy-in, and ultimately explosive revenue growth. What the third paradigm is, is the paradigm of co-creation. So if you think of the first paradigm, if we're thinking in business, that's the paradigm of competition. 
the great mm-hmm. industrialists, your Carnegie's, your Vanderbilt's, where if I have more, that means you have less. The, mm-hmm. the second paradigm is cooperation. Okay, we'll cooperate with each other. Third paradigm, and now we have the digital um, abilities to really do this, is that we co-create. We involve all stakeholders um, to have a meaningful part in um, building out whatever that is in the business. And um, you can use co-creation to tackle even the most challenging of problems. And whether that's business or we are, um, you know, we believe in life. You know, there are some pretty big problems that we're facing now in in the world. And we believe that with true co-creation, you can um, achieve greater success in solving those. And we involve, this book was a process of co-creation. We have co you know, it's a co-authored book. And we did a survey of over 4,000 business professionals to get their insights on co-creation. Um, so even the book, it's we like to think it's a, was a co-creative process. I love that. And I, that's a lot of insight and data that you guys also got to write the book. And yes. um, I can't wait to, wait to read it. I've been waiting for it to come out because it sounds super helpful, especially for where we even are now in, in business. And even thinking ahead as to how many paradigm shifts there are going to be in the world with technology and AI and teams and the next generation and how you lead them differently. Holy moly. Um, just so much. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that and your time. And uh, for everybody listening, we are going to have Heidi's uh, links to all of her social media, her website, how to contact her in the show notes as well as the link to the book if you want to grab that. And so anything that you want to end with, Heidi, before we close out? Ah, what I tell my clients, you've got this. Okay, if you have an idea, um, just break it down into little manageable steps. You've got this. You can write a book if you want, period. Done and done. I love it. So until next time, my powerhouses continue to be courageous.